Welcome to Positive Talk Radio. Our goal is simple, to explore evolving ideas one conversation at a time. So stay with us as right now we present. We've got a great show for you today. It's a Thursday afternoon and you're listening to Positive Talk Radio. This is our normal time, which we're on at three o'clock Pacific time which depending upon where you are is either three, four, five, or six and uh, in the United States anyway. And it gets even broader after that. But we've got a great show for you today. We have an author of note and her book has just been reissued. And we're going to be talking to her in just a second. But first of all, you may have noticed that there's a pretty young thing up there in, in the corner and and, and her, her name is unpronounceable to the human language, but I'll try and do it again. <laughs> Kayatana, how are yeah. you? Woo! I'm doing great. Thank you. How are you? I, I am I am really good. It's it's a it's a pleasure to be around such rare and beautiful company. I Thank you so much. You know, and, likewise. Uh, Oh, sure. Sure you do. And, and and Mary, the same thing applies to you. Mary Reagan is our guest, and she has written the book Life Flashes, a memoir, and it's just been reissued, I understand, with an updated. Is that right, Mary? Yes, it's a second, second edition. The paperback um, came out last week, and the ebook is out, and the second edition hardcover will be out in two to three weeks. So I'm very excited. Life Flashes went through a number of obstacles and hurdle. we initially hoped to release it in July and it's now the end of October. So it's been uh, through some challenges and I'm, uh, I found out on Friday, October 13th, that Beautiful. it was going to be reissued. And I thought that's a rocking good Friday the 13th. Well, now, doesn't that mean if it's a second edition, mm -hmm. doesn't that mean they sold out of the first one and so they have to print more? Is that how that works? Yeah, well, they're going to. Well, that's part of what they're waiting to do is, you know, to remove as many of the first editions as they can. Uh, there's not a huge difference between the first and second edition. I mean, in terms of factually. Um, however, in terms of uh, formatting, it's. It is, uh, it, it's beautiful. It really is beautiful. I, I, I looked at the formatting and it's just, it's, they did a splendid job with it. They did a splendid job of, uh, of doing the, redoing the cover. And we did some additional editing too. So now I read it before it was submitted to the publishing consultant who then submitted it to Ingram. And it read like spread and smooth, peeny, smooth creamy peanut butter and i loved it i loved it that's, what, loved I, that's it. what i've been hoping for lord so well, it's uh that was it was a really wonderful experience it's just uh a passion project and i really enjoyed doing it well that that is just awesome kayatana how are you today did i say that even close oh my god yes you're getting you said it exactly oh. <laughs> standing ovation Oh, I tell, I tell you, that is what I don't know what it is about me, but with uh, names, women go crazy. No, no sure they do. <laughs> Literally, they go crazy. <laughs> I one in particular that that and she went crazy. Anyway, so Kaitana, Ky, how are you today, young lady? I'm doing great. Yeah, you know, a Good. quick fact. A quick fact. You know, children is interesting. Children here in the U.S. get my name right away. Okay, yeah. Yeah, no, okay, cool. <laughs> well, because they've had no, they haven't had a lot of training. It's like exactly. any language, if you haven't had a lot of training in, in the way to speak, you can pick it up real easily. But then you, when you've had all kinds of training to speak a certain way, <laughs> then you have all these barriers to learning a new one. But it's I, yeah, I, thought, I, I actually saw, I don't know, I love language. So it came to me, it's uh, Cayetana San Segundo. Yes. I wasn't even going to give the second second name even a shot. Yeah. <laughs> What's that? I wasn't going to give the, her second name, her last name, even a shot. Oh. <laughs> just, just not, a, not, not a prayer in the world. I mean, same second. And in translation, is same second. <laughs> oh, same second? Yeah, exactly. What does, what does, I don't, you may not even know. What does Cayetana mean? 
uh, the Great Rock. Oh, wow. Whoa. <laughs> yes. Whoa, we got to back away, Kev. <laughs> Boy, no kidding. The Great, well, that's a great question, by the way, Mary. The oh. Great Rock. Uh, wow. Were you like, uh, why did they name you that? Do you have any idea? Well, so the name is Royal. It's uh, the Duchess of Spain, uh, Duchess of Alba in Spain. Her name was Cayetana, Cayetana de Alba. And my dad is from Spain and he, he loves royalty. So he named me Cayetana as the Duchess. And my sister, he named her Sofia as, you know, you know, as the queen. <laughs> ah. and, uh, if, if, if I was going to be a boy, my name was going to be Constantino Napoleon. Oh, I know, and Constantino is the brother of uh, Queen Sophia, of, oh, well, uh, the former Queen of Spain. So, no, and Kev, see, we thought Cayetana was hard. Well, no kidding. <laughs> no, no, well, what do you, Constantino, what, I mean, what do you call him for short? Uh, oh, no, actually, the short, my mom tell me that my mom would like, you know, I would rub her belly and say, like, oh, Napito, Napito. <laughs> I'm like, oh no, my child is not want to be named Napito. <laughs> I, I, okay, I remember you got to slow down a little bit for us, exactly. for us folks yeah. who don't speak many languages. Don't speak Latino way. We're living in a cave. <laughs> exactly. Well, uh, Kaitana is uh, she's joined our team in a little bit, and and we're working with her to perhaps even do a Spanish speaking. Uh, um, very good. Uh, positive talk, which I think would be very helpful and stuff. But today, it's all about Mary because yeah. Mary is is with us, and and you've got a new book out, and and Kaitan has has been uh, researching you diligently and has got some questions and stuff and okay. and things. So it's uh, first of all, let's remind everybody of your background a little bit, where you came from, how you ended up being an author and and writing your book. Uh, well, I'm, I was I was born in Boston, uh, just outside Boston, Massachusetts. Boston. Boston. Oh, my God. I heard it. Oh. Boston. And I have lived in on the South Shore of Boston for the last 65 years. And I, I, how did I become an author? I didn't intend to be. That's how I became one. I've found late in life that... Uh, I, as a, as shortly after I left the education field, a couple of years after I graduated, I was a freelance newspaper writer for a paper called the Quincy Patriot Ledger. And I think it's now it's the Patriot Ledger. And I was covering town meetings and f feature stories. And I really enjoyed writing feature stories. And I remember the sense of freedom I felt as a writer, freedom to express, freedom to be. And it was helped me because I was mourning at the same time the loss of uh, the teaching career. I knew that it was very difficult. It was difficult for me to the physical intensity of relationship with children in the classroom was difficult for me. And I found it hard to let that go. I thought this, you know, I felt as though maybe there was something wrong with me because I wasn't ready to be a mother or a teacher, but eventually I did let that go. And I think writing helped me to do that. And there's a freedom that I experience with writing that in a way that I don't experience with other, in a different, that I, in a different way than I experience with other activities. And so I started writing in, uh, when I'm in nine, uh, sorry, 2007, and I wrote the book over 15 years in diary form. And I had no, I wasn't intent, I, I started writing in, in a diary and I said, it was a diary. I didn't intend it to be in a, a book. But then three years later, something said to me, oh, well, I, you know what? I think this is a book. I think I'll continue on. I figured, what, what the heck? Probably a couple more years, I'll be done. Had I known then, it was going to be another 11 years before I finished it. <laughs> now it's been 12 with the new publisher, right? But it's, it's, that's why it's good that you don't always know why and you, that you leave it in hands, divine hands. Uh, so you followed, how, you followed your intuition and it, it, you kept on getting these messages. I think a lot of us get messages and we kind of poo poo them and say, nah, that's not, but 
you got these messages and they kept coming back to you, didn't they? Yes, I learn, I've learned to think, to live based on pa- passion, not what I think I'm supposed to do. Whereas in younger years, I felt that I was supposed to be in a relationship. I was supposed to be a teacher. I was supposed to own a home. I was supposed to drive, you know, be financially successful. And I wasn't at any of the, I wasn't, I struggled, was struggling financially. I didn't own a home. Uh, I didn't, you know, all my cars were secondhand. I went from job to job. And so, but through the years I learned, and especially I, I had undergone a, a profound spiritual experience just before I began writing the book and outcome of the spiritual experiences that I began realizing that success isn't about what size house you live in, where you went to school, whether you're in a relationship, whether you're not, et cetera. You may be in a relationship, you may not. You may be in, own a house, you may not. But it's really about who you are inside amidst life-changing circumstances. And if you know that and you embrace that, you can be, and you can only do that through faith. I don't, I, you know, and people experience faith in, in numerous ways, but and without belief in a being beyond self, it isn't possible to be content in this world. It, it won't happen. And I believe numerous studies will show that the people that are truly successful, AKA at peace, in peace with self and people around them are people who believe in a, in, in God, in transcendence, in a divine, in divinity. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. Katana, what do you think? Yeah, definitely. We all believe in something. Even the, the atheists, atheists? Atheists. Atheists, yeah. Because they believe in the force of nature, right? Well, I think, you know, I don't think there's really anything, any such thing as a true atheist. Yeah. Because there you go. Thank you. we are all we were all divinely created, and I you know when somebody says to me I don't believe in God, I respect that, but I say oh that's too bad because God believes in you, like this much. Mm-hmm. But I do I think that there I don't believe that there are atheists. I think there are people that don't realize that they believe in God, and I don't judge that at all. Yeah, because it- every be- in every believer there's a doubter mm-hmm. and a, a, a bit of an atheist probably at times. Yeah. It's amazing, you know, Mary, it's amazing to me that you can look around the world, you can look around at each other, and it seems to be like very defeating if you don't believe in something. If you are, if you are an avowed atheist who says, I don't believe in God, I don't believe in any of that stuff, then, then what happens when you die? And do you ever think about when they... When they say no, when we die, when you die, you're dead. What kind? Of, how positive could that possibly be? I don't think that. I haven't ever met a person who says they don't believe in God. That is generally positive. I haven't ever met that such a person. Yeah, it's not possible. They're you know, uh, or doesn't believe in they don't they don't I don't it doesn't matter to me whether they believe in God the same. I mean I I I go to um, a business store Staples Center and you know for for business things writing related things and there's a lady there who's Muslim and she is ever since the day I met her she's kind. She's sweet. She's professional. She's on time. Uh, she's very responsible. I thoroughly enjoy working with her. Am I ever going to be Muslim? No. Is she ever going to be Christian? No. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Correct. It's who we are inside with each other. We we truly and we love working with each with one another. Which which is really cool. Which is really yeah. cool because it transcends yeah. all of that. Because it does. We're just people. It does. You know. Uh, so I hope. You know, and it's. I mean, I. I'm veering off a little bit, but there is always in any. It's very saddening what's going on in the Middle East right now, mm-hmm. in Israel, and and yet 
I, I heard the other day, I just, you know, people say, well, you know, there's only when people are because there was violence going on. People say, well, the only way to deal with that is just go, you know, go in there and crush them. And that's somewhat of a common mentality. And I don't know about that, though, because the other day I heard that Hamas released two prisoners. And due to the fact that the American Red Cross negotiated with them. So it says to me that at some level, there's always the possibility of communication and working things out. It's it's so all of it is unnecessary. We know it. We all know it. I and agree. So I, I just find it very hopeful to hear that there was some because I was before that I was like maybe you're being unrealistic. But when I heard mm -hmm. that, I said, "See, this is really, this is true." That even in the middle of all that, there's some negotiation, there's some communication level possible. Do you think and what that, it did? It produced it, it caused the release of two hostages. Do you think it could is also some some level of humanity that all of us have inside, right? Like maybe something, I don't know, made them feel like we need to like, definitely like let send them home for some reason. So I'm always trying to people, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know, it's a big, all I know, I, I you know, from, there's too much of what's going on that I'm, I'm, of which I'm not aware, but I know that I can be, that all of us, regardless of how much we know about it, can be uh, of a solution to the problem by being people of goodwill, simply being kind and respectful and cooperative with people around us and accepting conflict as a natural part of growth. And if you, one does that, then you can move through it. And I believe that even though we don't see it, that people are around, we are, by what we say and do, we are affecting people around the world every day, every day. And that's very, we were given that ability to do that. And that's very empowering. And we, we can affect what we, is going on in the Middle East, in Russia, in Ukraine, in America, by that we are affecting the outcome. What we choose to do is, uh, is, between, is between us and God whether we choose to be kind, cooperative, and respectful or not. Exactly. That's the answer. You know, Katana, you had some questions that you wanted to ask ask uh, Mary, and I'm I'm curious to know what they are since we haven't discussed yeah, them prior a, to. Yeah, it was about the book. I, I, I did a quick, you know, um, I found out about your book. The days. I haven't finished it, but I did a quick. Oh, that's cool. You know, uh, but I love it. I love. Um, I was, I was going to take a memoirs class. Um, I don't know. I have this, this. Um, it's like each to really write about my experience, and I think by uh, running into your book, kind of like starting opening this idea that well, I'm, I'm, I can do this, and mm -hmm. some of the the questions that I started like coming to my head were like, um, you know, like. How did you manage, and uh, I'm running out, sorry. How did you manage, um, memoirs often involve a delicate uh, a balance between honesty and privacy. Um, how did you manage this balance when writing about your life and the people in it? That's a very, very good question. Very yeah. good question. Well, I think uh, part of the reason, I think that writing in diary form enabled me and I start, initially, I started writing it in diary form and then I started, later I started submitting it to agents and they all said, no, we want you to change it to narrative. And I thought, I can't do that. It's, it's a, this is diary form is a part of this heart. Mm -hmm. And so the like three times I experienced this with an agent, by the third time I said, I said, well, respectfully, I said, well, Anne Frank wrote a diary and her book sold a few copies. <laughs> you remember who Anne Frank is? <laughs> yeah. And, um, so, so I decided to maintain the diary form and because it helped me to speak from the heart and in terms of, and I think you brought up a very good point in terms of maintaining 
a, poli uh, a policy of being open with the reader, but also maintaining privacy. That is something that I gave first to God because I wouldn't know how to set those limits. I said, you know, I asked and, and sometimes, and what I would do and practically what I would do is I would write something and then I would review it. I would review things over and over again because I would write something. <laughs> Writers often do this. You write something, you think, well, yeah, that's true. That's really interesting. And then you go back and you read it and you go, and you say, that is true. Do not share that with the reading audience. You know, for example, one time in the book, I talk about how family members came together during a week or so during the summer and one summer. And then all of a sudden at the end of the week, everybody left. There was no conversation. There was no, everybody left. So I said, Oh, well, so they, we all left. And, and at first it bothered me. But then I said, usually when conversation among between or among people ceases, it's a way of saying that the relationship is as it exists is passing away and that a new way of relating is, is happening. And I'm not saying it's always appropriate that, that it happens the way that it happened, but it didn't because I realized that. And when I, I realized that it was help helped me to navigate that and again, to realize that the old, it doesn't mean that the relationship's gone, but the old way of relating isn't working anymore. And so it's important to maintain goodwill with one another uh, while the new way of relating is emerging. And so that happens on a regular basis, whether you, whether people see one another or not. And so I, I, that used to bother me through the years when there would be conflict and then people weren't talking and, but now it doesn't bother me. I just, I realize it's, it's part of the process. So, and also too, it also made me think, caused, caused me to think of, I remember teaching a class in business communication for a semester at a local <laughs> college. And one of the, the, the only thing I remember from the textbook, but it fascinated me was the re reading the words 93.3% of what the meaning of what people say is derived by nonverbal cues. And when people are not sure about the truth of what a person is saying, they will not rely on the words they're saying, they rely on the nonverbal cues. And I just, I found that really fascinating. Mm -hmm. And that's really what we will do, which says that we relate to one another primarily by spirit, not by body. Mm -hmm. And it does include the body, but I just, I found that fascinating. Well, it's the energy that you are emitting and it's being picked up on by them. And uh, it's, it's important. And did you say 93.3%? Yeah. Is nonverbal communication? Yeah. That's astounding. I know. That's, that's, that's what I, that's what I thought too. I was like, whoa, that's amazing. That's, that's like, you know, of course, you ever walk into a store or go to a car lot and this guy comes skipping over to you and, and says, how can I help you today? And you're you're reading his body language and stuff because you you are not sure what he's about to do or say or and you don't want him to be there, because but you can't get rid of him. Anyway, <laughs> just a thought, just a thought. But that, that, that's remarkable. That's, yeah. that's remarkable. By the way, and I find as I as I grow old that I, uh, I do less talking. And I find that when that, that the foundation of talking that I do is basically based on goodwill. I don't feel as though I have to have a four hour conversation with somebody or even a half. I can it's just saying, hi, uh, how are you today? I mean, you know, you don't have to have a four hour conversation with someone to connect with them. And I really, I really appreciate that. Uh, and so it's helped actually helped me to get along, to go along with, with men, um, in a new way too, because in years past, I was, I was very, you know, wanted men, I wanted to talk with men, but I, I just felt as though they saw that I was emotional and they didn't want to, 
when a man sees a woman's really emotional, they, they, they want to run. And I understand that now in a way I didn't, I didn't before. And I used to go to these conferences and they be like, well, why can't men be more like women? And I, and now I realize because they're not, you know, and one of the things that I learned from in relationship is so instead of wanting men to be more like women in recent years, I learned to say, what can I learn from men that will help me in relationship with them? And I said, and then I realized, don't talk about how you feel so much. It's fearsome. And so I stopped doing that. And I mean, so I would, they would see that I was before they'd see that I was emotional, even when I wasn't talking men can see that like a mile away. <laughs> they can, they can. That's a, a, an ability that men, you know, it's in men. That, and so, but the thing is, once I stopped being that emotional, the same men who didn't want to be around me were, you know, were opened opened up to me. It was it was amazing. Ah crap! So, she's gonna cry. Like, run, run. Yeah. So yeah. So now they run. Well, they don't run, <laughs> to me, but they come come a little closer. <laughs> and by by the way, you are on Positive Talk Radio. You're not allowed to say, "I'm getting old." Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> oh, I am growing old. Do you you like my white hair? Yeah. Well, you like my white beard, but I'm not growing old yet, and you're not you're not I'm allowed 70, to grow old. Yeah, I know. You say I'm seventy years. I know. You say I'm seventy years young. Is that what you want me to say? Yeah. Like well, I'm from New York or something. Exactly. Yeah. You know, with a yeah, bit I of an attitude. I don't believe me. I don't want to go back to yesterday. I don't want. I've enjoyed it all. I know it's all been for a reason. It's been purposeful. I've. Enjoy, I've learned from from it, um, even the things that weren't uh, that were difficult, and I've learned from it all. And I love being where I am today. I don't I don't want to look back, and I don't want to look forward. That's what makes life fascinating. That's a, that's the coolest thing to be able to say that, because there's so many people that are like, "If only I had, I wish I had, yeah, if I I, I could have." Right. Well, you know what? You know that I used to be there too. Except that one, one day, you know, when I started in prayer, God reassured me when I was listening that no, He said no, Mary. You, the chances are that if you had done all, everything I wanted you to be, do, you would be in a very similar place that you are now. So yeah. you know, and I, I am, I'm, I'm so, I'm very gratified and content with that. And I, I like where I like where life is for me. I like where I, you know, I appreciate where it was. I appreciate where it's going, even though I don't know. It doesn't matter to me that I don't know. Every day is a new, a new, and it's just as I'm learning. I don't, I don't experience highs and lows of mood that I did in earlier years because I realize success and failure are very similar, even though they're not the same. But they're very similar, so they don't throw. They don't throw me. There's always something positive that comes out of failure. Always some kind of positive, and there's always some some downside to success. That's so all, that's always true. And yeah. the, the fact of the matter is, is you have to you have to look and define what success means to you. It can't be if it's financial success, that's fine, but it's hollow. Um, if it's if su- success to you is helping your fellow man. And to be kind and to and to live your life to the best you can. To me, that's that's a successful. Life. Yeah, and it might be for some people. It might be there are people that are very wealthy who are who are content because they know what to do. It's not the money; they know what to do with it, how to serve humanity. I think Thanks. something that I wanted to say a minute or two ago is it's learning how to. Uh, you know, uh, a tip for positive, one po- tip for positivity might be is learning to live from a point of passion versus what you're supposed to do. That's, that's always li- doing what you're supposed to do. Always like I, I used to, you know, I used to, as far as church goes, I used to, I mean, for years I didn't go, I was back and forth, back and forth. And, and then I started going again, then I started getting all, being mixed up about it. And I said, look, you, you know, it's important for you to figure out a way of going to church that works for you. So I don't go to the same. And I felt a little bit uncomfortable with doing this, but I just realized I was going every week. I was becoming very 
I just felt really confined. I, lo I love the people. I felt really confined. I said, I can't do this. So I go every couple of weeks to one church and I sing with the choir. I really enjoy it. And then another week, um, another week, there's a, there's a uh, pastor that I really enjoy hearing. He's in the city. I go to that church one week. And then on the fourth week, um, I may not, I may not go at all, or I may, I, you know, I, I just, or I'll go to, you know, then there are days when I go to uh, Bible study, faith sharing groups where you talk about scripture, but you also talk about what's going on in, you know, life. And I just find it really helpful way of processing things with other people. You're in community, uh, you're in community with people. And I think, you know, speaking of church, you know that when in, I was, I'm a child, you and I, Kev, we're both uh, children of the 60s. When in the 60s, probably 80% of Americans were affiliated with a church. And today I just read that a Gallup poll shows that now it's, it's less than 50 and it's probably uh, in some polls say it's down to about 30%. So I find that really interesting from two perspectives. One is in a good perspective. It's saying that people have realized that the only way to experience God is not in a church. That's a good thing. This is a good yeah. thing. The difficult thing is, and I uh, didn't real I didn't realize it until recently, is that if you don't, being in church can offer you something different than say being at work, playing tennis, going to going to being a dance student, playing music. There's being in community with people is very, and not just one community. People people of different different kinds. I've learned this late in life. Like I there's I go to a dance studio. I there's a community of people that I spend time with there. Then I go to church. There's people there, and when I go to the Atlantic Symphony, there's a group of people, of volunteers, I spend time with there. I go to the gym, I spend time with people there. Um, and it's all varying. I mean, sometimes it's just, hi, how are you? But that sense of community, for somebody who spent a, a good deal of time in solitude, I'm finding, I'm beginning to enjoy community late in life. And I think it's very important. I remember a priest saying one time that not being community with people over a prolonged period can, time can be very dangerous. And when I heard him say that at first, I thought, oh, he doesn't, he doesn't know people like me. I'm very strong. And then in subsequent years, I said, you know what? He's right. Because I was missing the, missing the opportunity to be with other people, to process, you know, things that were happening, to share, to work through conflicts with people in a way that I was not able to do that when, when I was alone. And being being solitary doesn't mean you're not alone. Doesn't mean you're not with people. You're just with them in a different way than you are when you're social. When you're social, it doesn't mean you're not alone. It just means you're alone in a different way than when you're solitary. You know, I, and I don't know if you... That was remember. a mouthful, wasn't it? Yeah, it really was. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I wanted to mention this because you, you said that church... Traditional church, maybe maybe going down. I don't know the answer to that, yes or no. Yeah. But I can it's tell you what is. Fine. Yeah, I, but I can tell you what is happening What's in that? the world in the world that I'm that I'm around a lot is yeah. Since the pandemic in uh, Katana, I don't know if you've know about this yet either. But there, there's something called the circle. Have you heard of this? No. What this is is a a group of people are getting together and they are forming that community and they're talking to each other and there are certain rules like there's no jealousy and there's there's no hatred and there's no judgment and there's no, and we're, they're talking about their lives and what's going mm -hmm. on in in and and people are listening and they're forming this they're forming this community of people mm -hmm. that they can so that they can because you're right Church provides a community of like-minded people to get together. And this does kind of the same thing. Um, right. And it can, so any activity that you can do where everyone is um, honest 
and yeah. true and is and is is and forms like this uh, the circle that I'm talking about. It really is an interesting concept, and more, they're popping up all over the country. Well, and the thing is too, uh, when I you know went back to church, I find even within yeah, you're with like-minded people. At the same time, I mean, even with the people that I was with today, the Bible study group, I can see that there are distinct differences in the people, in how people experience religion, it, even within the same faith or different. And so it's important for you to, to ask for help with navigating that. And to, I just, you know, I said, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm going to find a way that I believe that is workable and respects, you know, and respects God. I'm not going to go every day. I'm not going to, I'm not going to go, I'm not going to be going to church every week, but I am going to go every, I'm going to do it away. And then you're not, then you're not, and I'm not going to compete with other people that go every week. That's perfectly acceptable. It doesn't work for me. And so that's one of the things that you can work on when you're in group with each other is that, Again, even when you're like-minded people, there are profound differences that are going to surface. Well, so and there, that, you know, but yeah, but there are some things in that that judgment creeps in, and the judgment creeps in of Mary doesn't go to church every week, so how can yeah. she be as yeah. spiritual as I am? Which is just not the case because it's a a judgment that that some people have have developed over time, and besides the fact. Mary, it's very, very important. If you go to church and you go to three different churches and then one you take off, you need to take that off because the the uh, New England Patriots, I'm sure, are in town playing and you need to watch that game. It's just, it's a rule that you need to be watching. I watching. know. I should, I should, I should diversify. Yeah. Yeah. And you, by the way, that was a great question you asked that that took a long time to answer, but that's good. Yeah. Uh, yes. You have to, you, you have know, a, every now and then you got to shut me off like a bartender. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, do you have another question for this nice yes, young lady? Yes, I do. Yeah. Uh, the title "Life Flashes" suggests uh, moments of clarity or revelation. Can you tell us about a specific life flash that had a profound impact on you? Wow. She's coming well, up with some doozies, isn't she? Yes. Yes. Actually, that is the, this experience is, was the, uh, was the, enabled me to discover the title for the book. The, the, the experience was that when I, I was in college and I, the first year in college, I went to a party and I came, I, you know, it was a, it was a party a, a friend was giving. It was, you know, kind of party you would have gone to then in the sixties, you know, girls on one side of the room, boys on another. And the, and the keg was in the middle. <laughs> and the what? Oh yeah. And the, keg yeah, no, was the girls the were all drinking wine and the guys were all drinking beers. Yeah. But I love the party because the boys were, they were such, gentlemen and really nice, really good boys. And uh, so they were all over in the corner at one point. We were all enthralled, all the girls were enthralled with them because they all the boys, they were all uh, over in the corner singing songs from uh, Sly and the Family Stone. Like, we are family, <laughs> you know, yeah. da, 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 da. you know, so we, um, no, or was it? Oh no! Everybody stand, stand, stand. So we were like, we were delighted with them. So, um, but anyway, so we went, and I, I did drink a little bit of wine. I wasn't a drinker, and there was a little bit of ginger in there, ginger ale in there. So, I left the party. It was around one a.m., and I was driving home in a VW Beetle, little car and all of a sudden it was torrential rain tom talking torrential and i was actually no more than a minute from the house driving into the driveway at the house in the house i grew up and the car i hit a puddle and the car went out of control 
and I, the car went out of control and then all of a sudden I said, I, okay, I think I'm going to, I think this is the end. I'm going to go, I'm going to die. And then everything went black. And so right away I was unconscious, I was unconscious and I saw these people. I was in a place that I hadn't been to before. And I was in, I saw all these people that I'd known in life and I was greeting them and warmly greeting them. And some I was making a, with whom I was making amends. And then all of a sudden I was drawn toward this increasingly bright white light intensely bright white light, it, love beyond imagining. And I saw Jesus standing there in the middle of the light, pure, pure goodness. And then I heard a voice and the voice said, I want you to come home with me, but not yet. And then I woke up and I was furious. I was furious because I hadn't ever been to a place of such love before. And I knew that I wanted to, I know that's, you know, got to probably be doing a little work on me before I go there, but I know that's where I want to go when it's time for me to go home. I know that's, I know it's a good place. And there's, you won't ever experience love like that on earth. Doesn't mean earth isn't a good place, but you won't ever, it, it, heaven exists. Holy yeah. exists, yeah. you know? <clears throat> so that was a, what they call today, uh, NDE or a near-death experience. But yeah, yeah. How long was it before you actually started to talk about that and verbalize it because i know you remember this in the 60s they didn't even think such things existed and nobody talked about it until i believe it was moody uh wrote the book forget the name of the book but uh edward moody and and he started talking about near-death experiences in the mm -hmm. late 60s early 70s but at that time so how long did you keep that to yourself well Unfortunately, I wasn't ready to, it wasn't really something that I, I did, I remember I did talk about it, but I wasn't ready to face it. I wasn't ready to appreciate it. So it really, its ability to heal you and move forward is limited if you don't fully appreciate it. And so when the experience that I underwent well I had i'd gone uh, another experience not like that but s similar when i was in 40s but the experience that i underwent when i was in the 50s as the book opens the, the spiritual conversion happened then it's only i guess what i'm saying is it's only as good as what you do with it mm -hmm. it's only as good as what you do with it you know but it, um, it, yeah, it's only as good as what you do with it. And I, I was ready and, and it's only as good as what you do with it. That's all I now, can say. A lot of people who have near death experiences and experience what you did, uh, mm -hmm. the overriding love and, and that is in that place, they lose their sense of fear of death in many well, cases. Well, that's what, I'm glad you brought that up because that's a very comp. <clears throat> that's why I don't, I don't feel afraid. I'm not afraid of death. I feel as though, because I know that you're only, the only reason that we're alive is to fulfill purposes that have been designed for us by God, by transcendent being through love. And as we fulfill those purpose, these purposes, no matter how well or ill we've done them, we don't have no longer have a desire to live anymore in a good way, not, not, I'm not talking about harming self or anything, but when those, that's what gives us life is our God given purposes. And when, when we've, when we've completed those, we're ready to go home. 
we don't. Well, but someone like you who have who have written a book called Life Flashes, mm-hmm. and which is a memoir, and you've got more books to write. So you're not anywhere near done. You're getting close to middle age. That, that would be my I, it, it doesn't it doesn't matter to me whether it's going to be tomorrow or next year or in 10 years. I, oh, I'm, you know, it I, I, it's not something that I, I, and I enjoy life. Yeah. And I, and I also want to go home. This isn't my, this, this, none of this is my, is our real home. None of it. True. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. It, it's meant to be appreciated. It's not a, it's not a temporary, it's not our, it's our temporary. What did, um, yeah. Carrie Underwood wrote a song about that called a uh, beautiful song about that. And she wrote about a little boy who's the song is about a little boy. who's you know, been going from w- one of the parts of it is about this little boy. He's been going from foster home to foster home. He's in a station waiting for his new foster parents to come. And he says, you know, that this, I'm not afraid because this is my temporary home. One, you know, you're just going from one room to another. Right. You know, I wish I could fully remember the lyrics. I'm going to go look them up now. But, uh, <laughs> but it's a beautiful song. Um, everything is, it's all temporary. And that's a good thing. Well, you know, Kayatani, you've asked two questions and it's, it's it elicited <laughs> some really uh, deep felt and honest responses. You, yeah. You're doing very, very well here. I love them. I have yeah. one more question. Oh, good. Oh, good. Yeah. So, I mean, how did you select the specific memories and events to include in your memoir? Another good question. I didn't select any of it. It just came, it came to me through. I didn't, you know, where I went, I was on a journey. I didn't ever specifically say, oh, I'm going here today. I just, I, it was all where, which is what I do now. I, I don't ever plan any day. I wait to... I ask God for uh, I, I, to help me, and I just wait till where the Spirit moves me to go, and then I go. You know, and I might think I might wake up thinking, well, I want to do this, 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 and this. But every day it turns out I might do those things, but I don't do them in the same order that I thought I was going to do them, or I don't do that at all. It's just how that's the, the the adventure of it, you know. But I do do it in partnership with God, no matter how well or miserably. Mm-hmm. So is my singing really bad, by the way? Uh, no, you did great. <clears throat> like a rock and roll type of, you know, vibe. Sorry? You have a rock and roll type of vibe. Oh, I do. Before and you fail. Like, oh, yeah. Rock and roll. I do love rock and roll. It's cool. Yeah. It makes me feel young. Yeah. That's okay. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. All right. Who, so did you like, who did you like growing up, Kev? You like the Beatles. Oh, one of the one of the most horrible, horrible, horrible moments in my life what? was when my mom and dad and sister said, "Time for you to go to bed. We're going to watch Bonanza," and it was on the Ed Sullivan Show, and it was February 1964, and the Beatles were on, and they made me go to bed. Oh, are you kidding me? No, no, they they said, I said, but the, mom, the Beatles are going to be who? The, 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 are they an are they an insect? What oh, are well, they? no wonder no wonder you're all mixed up to this. Day. Yeah, <laughs> to, the, to this to this day, it's so yeah. uh, the Beatles were number God, one. I life. Yeah, Beatles. I were remember that. One. Oh my God, the girls were crazy, crazy. <laughs> oh, it it and people people don't people don't know how impactful they were there. The, I remember when John Lennon said. And he misspoke, and he said, "The Beatles are bigger than Jesus." Do you remember oh. when that happened? Oh yeah, I, I don't. I, I actually remember you saying that last time. What happened to that? Well, he they broke into national programming to to for his press conference for him as he apologized for saying that because he had no idea because there were there were burnings in the south of uh, Beatle albums and all that kind of stuff. Which really, the, I didn't know that. Oh yeah! Oh, oh, it was. Did he say big... why he said it? He was taken. Stop me if you've heard this before. He was taken kind of out of context, but his intention was, 
it's unfortunate that um, that the that the young people are not embracing their spirituality oh, like they gosh. should be. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, and and in oh. fact, we are the Beatles are bigger than Jesus because the kids are not embracing their spirituality. Say, oh, so he was saying just the opposite of what I thought he was saying. That's correct, and that's, that's what happened. Yeah, yeah, and, that's too bad. And it, it it really was, and it scared. I tell you, it scared the hell out of him. They played uh, a couple of dates in the south, and they yeah. and a firecracker went off, and they started jumping around, thinking people were shooting at him. Oh um, my gosh! Wow, it was it was a really really big deal. Yeah. Back then. But anyway, the Beatles were my number one and probably Led Zeppelin and and uh, the Beach Boys, of course. And oh, yeah. And all those guys. But did you uh, wish they all could be California girls? I wish they could all still be young and, and oh, still well, you be don't, playing. You don't music. like us old ladies? What's wrong with us? <laughs> no, 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 not the ladies. I wanted the artists to be young. I like old ladies. As a matter of fact, uh, well, uh, don't say your mother's old lady. I'll be insulted. No, my my mother was ninety when she passed away, wow. and she, she was. Uh, God bless her. Um, yeah. And she was uh, a fundamentalist Christian, and she had the best life in the world. And she went to um, play bridge on Wednesday. She went out to dinner on Thursday, and God took her home on Friday. Oh. And wow. so, well, you know, if you got to go, if it's you know, it's, what a way to go! Yeah, I know. It's yeah. it's, it's like. It's like finding a bathroom when you really got to go. It's a good thing. And this is the same thing. <laughs> yeah. You know, she just, it was a great place and it was a great time for, for her to go and, and yeah. stuff. But, but what was your favorite group in the 60s? Oh, my gosh. I loved them all. I loved them all. I liked, um, I loved Diana. I loved Motown. Oh, you were a Motown girl. Uh, yeah. yeah. But I loved, um, I loved, Let's see, Motown. I liked. Uh, I love the Beach Boys. I loved who were the? Oh God, they just they were from England. Another group from England. What were they called? The Rolling Stones. No. Nope. Uh, um, Jerry and the Pacemakers. Yeah, I love. Yeah, I love Jerry and the Pacemakers. I I liked Elvis. I, I you know yeah. speaking of Elvis, when I was thirteen. I was invited to this girl's birthday party and we were all going to go see this movie. It was, um, it was called Bye Bye Birdie. Oh yeah. And, yeah. And there was this guy that was, you know, the girls were going to be wearing bikinis. Oh yes. On the beach. And there was a guy that was like Elvis Presley, who was uh, one of the stars of the movie. Frankie Avalon. No, it wasn't Frankie Avalon. I don't know what his name. He wasn't, I don't know what his I don't know what his name was. He wasn't Elvis, but he wasn't Frankie Avalon either. But anyway, but he was just like, you know, they had that same gyrating, pulsating yes. um, personality. He was a singer. And anyway, I, I had to nag. So there was like 10 of us girls going. And I had to, I nagged my mother for a week. She was like, no, you're not going to see that. In the 60s, a girl wearing a bikini was unheard of on the beach it was just you know so i mean talk about appreciating where where we are now you know um but i nagged her for a week and then finally she just she couldn't stand my nagging anymore so she let me go yeah and, and in those days a bikini actually covered everything um, <laughs> yeah this... yeah bikini was real well a little bit i mean yeah now that oh. now a bikini is like a thong yeah, now if you're walking, if you're a female and you're in a bathing suit and you're walking away, people are seeing more of you than they ought to. Yeah. Well, yeah, you know it is. It it comes to a point when it's 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 it doesn't draw you in. You know what I mean? Well, it doesn't draw you in. It's like oh my, it, there's no there's no mystery. There's no mystery. Well, I know. I'll, I'll yeah. tell you this. There is a reason why God created clothes. Is because yes. very yeah. few people actually look good naked. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then this girl that I know, she was jo joking. She says, "You know, when you when you're young, they all want you to take it off. When you're when you're our age, they say, put it back on. <laughs> please, please, put it back on." <laughs> well, well, that's just, yeah. Well, what do you do? I got a kick out of that. 
(laughs) (laughs) Indeed. Well, uh, uh, young lady, you have caused us to have some really deep discussions here suddenly um, with the questions you're asking. I think, I think it's, yeah, I I guess it was very inspiring. Yeah. Thank you. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I did too. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm going to read your book. I think um, I want to, I want to learn how to write and you have, uh, you know, um, an advice uh, or tip for people who are writing their memoir. Yeah. Um, The way I learned how to writing, being a writer, is very much like being an artist. It's first of all, above all, we talked about, as we talked about, it's an exercise in trust. That's first. Without trust and then being beyond self, you won't be able to fully appreciate writing. So as a writer, what I learned to do is write when an artist paints, they throw up the paint on the easel. And then after they throw it up, then they modify it. And it's the same thing with words. That's what I learned to do. At at first, I was very concerned about writing it correctly the first time. And, you know, I want to be accurate. And then, but I always found that I was tense and I wasn't enjoying it the way I was intended to. And then I just said, then all of a sudden something came to me and I just said, just throw it up there. Just throw the, it doesn't matter. Just throw it up there. Throw it up with kindness, with respect and cooperation. And then after that, then you can edit it later. And that's, that's how it works. It's beautiful. It's really enjoyable. It's just like the same. It's very similar to being an artist. That was a very good question. Young lady. Yeah, <laughs> it was another very good question. Excellent. Yes. Yeah. So, yes. so now uh, you in the Does spring that help of your... you, Katana? Sorry. I'm no, sorry. Yeah, no, definitely. Yes, for sure. Yeah. 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 Everything else. If you do anything, you know, do it with passion. Everything else mm-hmm. will follow. Yeah, no, because I, when I was younger, I used to write a lot in Spanish. And even today, I, I know English, but when I want to write something very passionate, I go for Spanish. And then I do the translation later because everything just comes out so naturally. Right, yeah, just, yeah. yeah. And so, like, I'm going back to doing right now uh, free writing, you know, like set a timer, free writing. And now I started doing also, like, writing my gratitudes. Usually I used to say them out loud, but now I'm writing too, like, Okay, then manage writing, whatever I'm writing, you know, and it's so good. I feel amazing afterwards. <laughs> because right. I like writing and I like, I was telling yesterday my, to my partner that I love the process of moving my hands. I write, I write cursive. People don't yeah. do it anymore. And so my hand, I love my handwriting because it's weird. You know? Well, one thing I know we're getting, <laughs> getting late. I get late, but one thing that I experienced when I began writing, actually, when I was writing by hand, I was using composition notebook paper and I would feel, you talked about your hand, I would feel all this electrical energy coming through the hand that I was using to write. And I knew that the energy was not coming essentially from me. And I was like, this is cool. And then I looked down at what I wrote and I thought, uh, I couldn't write that well. I could not write that well. And I, and then it helped me to see where the energy is truly coming from. And I really appreciate that. Yeah. You know, yeah. Indeed, that's that's the, the, in some circles they call that automatic writing, and oh, others yeah. <laughs> it, it is a it's a spiritual connection. I have a real quick story for you. Can I tell you this? Oh, yeah, we've got to go. But uh, I was uh, talking to an author a couple of weeks ago or a month ago, and um, she's written a she's written a book that now has become four books. And wow. she's a uh, orthodontist by trade. I don't know if I told her this story. She's an orthodontist by trade, and she woke up one morning at four o'clock in the morning, and to a voice in a voice that she thought was outside of her that said, "It's time to start writing." So she wakes up and she gets up and she uh, puts on a robe and she goes looks in the bathroom, looks in the living room, looking for some strange man to be in her house. (laughs) Nobody was there, and so she sent a uh, a text to her therapist saying. I think I need medication. I think I'm schizophrenic. I just heard a voice say that you need to start writing. And her therapist said, well, did you? So at 4 o'clock in the the morning. Yes, at 4 o'clock in the morning, she took out a journal and a candle, and she said a little prayer, and she started writing. And the same thing happened to her. And now she's written four books. Yes, from every 
every every day from 4 a.m. to 5 a.m. She got this little nudge that said, yeah. "Time to start writing." Wow. And and for 18 months, she would write from 4 to 5 in the morning, and it it was about her life. It was about uh, the things that had, that she'd experienced or that the character had experienced, but it was something completely different and she had no idea what she was doing when she started it. But now it's going to be four different, it's it's four books and they're all coming out this fall. So wow. you don't know. Yeah. It's, it's, it, you get, you get the nudges from beyond. You do, and, you do. And then you also get, you also get when, when the writing doesn't flow, that you realize that's just as important too. That's part of the journey too. And that, that's, you know, that's a part of the process too. That, that's exactly right. Yeah. You know, speaking of the Beatles, do you know how, uh, did you know that Yell or the, uh, yesterday was written that way? Paul McCartney woke up with it in his head from a dream. Is that and right? Yeah. It was a, it was a complete song and he went around, wow. he, he went to John and he went to Brian Epstein and he went to, uh, uh, the producer, um, Anyway, um, and he said, where's this song come from? I've heard this yeah. song before. And I said, no, no, I haven't heard that one before. I, I think that's yours. It turned out to be Yesterday, which has been um, covered over 3,000 times. And it's one of those, it's one of those songs that um, it's, Sinatra, it's timeless. Sinatra said one of the best songs ever written. Um, and stuff like that. And it didn't. And he's 81 now. He'll still tell you today. I have no idea where that came from. And it's because we get messages from the other side. We get messages from so what, George, Jesus. Oh, Paul, Paul McCartney's 81 now? Yep. Isn't that, isn't that sad? Wow. I want him to be young again. I know. I know. Boy, time. Yeah. I, so what did it say? Um, I said to, was saying to somebody, um, uh, where, did it, where did the time go? And then I, I saw this emoji that I sent to them underneath. I put it underneath. It says, nowhere to be found. <laughs> <laughs> Mary, it's a, it's been a pleasure talking to you today. And really by the way, you. you need to go to her website, which is Mary, and you spell it this way, M-E-R-R-I-E-H-Regan.com. Yes. Reagan. Reagan. Okay. Reagan. Yeah. I had a 50% shot. That's why I don't gamble. Yeah. I had a 50% shot of getting it right, and I got, of course, I got it wrong. Um, so you can buy the book on um, Amazon and Barnes and & Nobles now. You can buy it in ebook. 99 cents and the paperback is the new edition paperback is 19.99 and the hardcover will be coming out in two or three weeks and that will be i think 29.99 i hope it's a book that people want to read 50 years from now and it's been pure joy being with both of you yeah thank you thank and kaitana i want you to say goodbye and anything that you want to tell, tell mary before we go uh, thank you so much for uh, being such an inspiration for all our, our listeners. For me, nice to meet you. Um, I'm living with an amazing um, um, a, a basket of, of ideas of what to do right now and explore my creativity, my writing creativity. Again, thank you. And what do you want to say, Mr. McDonald? I want Cayetana to say... I said that right again. How about that? I want you to, you're going to close out the show by saying this. Be kind to one another because each other's all we've got. Can you do that? Yes. Be kind to one another because each other is the, is the only thing we have. Okay. Close. Don't worry. Paraphrasing works. <laughs> exactly. And Mary, you get the last word before we go. Thank you. Good wishes. And God bless you. God bless us, everyone. Said Tiny Tim. Said Tiny Tim. You got it. <laughs> Thank oh, you so really, much. I hope I, um, I hope to receive the broadcast. I can, I'm looking forward to looking at it again. I, want, I might even put it on my website for the book. Yes. Oh, very nice. Oh, by yeah. the way, you can once you leave here, yeah, you can go to Positive Talk Radio, yeah, the YouTube channel, yeah, and you just type in Positive Talk Radio, and it'll come up, and go to the live section, and this will be there in all its glory. Okay, so now for me to put it on the website, do I wait for you to send it to me, or 
I believe that you can uh, share it via um, um, YouTube. You can share um, it via YouTube or copy paste the link. It's, it's you, on YouTube. Yes, and you can yes. share it on your website. Yes. Okay. It'll be up there for. Well, I'll talk with. Um, I'll talk with David. You know David. I'll talk yeah. with him about it, and then he'll because uh, I think this might be a this one might be as they call it a keeper. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I hope. Yeah, so, thank you. <laughs> yeah, thank you, thank you. Um, yeah, I think it. Yeah, I think it might be a keeper. So I, I I'd like to put it on the website. Perfect. Well, wait yeah. right there, and I'll, we'll be right back. Hey, cool. thanks for enjoying this episode all the way to the end. Please give us a like and subscribe to this channel. This has been a production of PositiveTalkRadio.net. Please visit our website, oddly named PositiveTalkRadio.net, for more details about us and our mission, which is to provide great positive programming designed to inspire us all. I'm Kevin McDonald, and I'm proud of these shows, and I truly hope that you'll like them and share them with friends and family. So on behalf of our entire team, remember, be kind to one another because each other's all we got.